0: Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today. And uh, this year we are celebrating our church's 200th anniversary. And we've had the privilege of inviting back some of those who uh, have been preachers here, pastors here, and have been called into the ministry here. And today we have a special blessing as uh, Dr. Marshall Edwards and Doris are here. Doris, I'm going to ask that you stand, please, so that everybody can see you out here. And you make Marshall look a whole lot better anyway, so we're glad that you're here. Marshall is no stranger to many of you. He was pastor of this church from 1980 to 1983. He left here went to the First Baptist Church of Conroe, Texas, and then returned to Columbia at the St. Andrews Baptist Church now. He is the interim pastor at First Baptist Church in Boone. We are delighted to have you back and look forward uh, to hearing you in just a few moments.
1: Well, good good morning. What a great worship service. I am already so inspired, and the choir is absolutely magnificent. What tremendous... Yeah, go ahead, sure. Uh, But I'm going to tell you, the whole congregation sings like a great choir. That's very impressive. I'm interested to know, how many of you have a hymnal in your home? Would you lift your hand, please? If you'll keep it up, please. Steve Phillips told me some hymnals are missing out of the church. (laughs) Steve, if you look out there, you'll see where all those hymnals are. That's terrible to do to a congregation. I was in Colorado somewhere several years ago and pulled that on Sunday morning, and the minister of music on Sunday night came running up to me and said, Dr. Edwards, I want you to know we've already had revival in our church. He said, I came to my office tonight and there were 38 hymnals stacked outside my door, so this might be a good time for renewal and revival in your life. You really look good. You really look good. And Doris and I want to thank Wendell Eastep and the committee and the church for inviting us to be here today. This is a very significant honor in our lives, and we will never, ever forget about it. You have been such a part of the pilgrimage that we have known in the Lord over these last few years. And while we were here, our two children grew up. Uh, Both of them uh, send their regards to you. Scott is in Dallas. He's an attorney. He is the finest man I know. I'm a dad trying to be like his son. Scott called us last night and said, Mom and Dad... When you go to First Baptist Church in the morning, please tell the folks how much we love them and appreciate them. And he still keeps up with many of his friends over here. Our daughter Cindy is west of Austin in Kingsland, Texas, and uh, teaches children with uh, significant learning problems. And she is still the pure delight that she always was, and she wanted to be remembered to you as well, everywhere I go and speak, I tell folks a little story about Cindy that helps them understand something about me. Uh, and Doris, and Doris is here. Aren't you glad to see Doris? You ever seen a more well-preserved woman in your whole life than, than Doris is? When Cindy was about five years of age, I had gone to this wonderful church in Austin after the seminary. And uh, Cindy has always been so vivacious about everything. And one day I went home from the church and got Doris and Cindy, five years old, and we went down to El Chico's uh, to have that wonderful Mexican food down there. And I told everybody what was going on in my life, and Doris told what was going on in her life, and five-year-old Cindy just sort of took over, and with all of her exuberance told us what was happening in in her life. And we got up to leave, and we passed the cashier's desk, and there was that luscious pile of pralines there that they always have. And Cindy and Doris wanted one, and so I got them one, and we got in the car and started home. And if you know anything about five-year-old girls, they all talk to themselves. And we could hear Cindy in the back seat of the car, carrying on the most marvelous conversation with herself you've ever heard, and it went something like this. You know what? I haven't had a praline in a long time. Then she paused for a minute and she said, I think I'll pray for my praline. And she paused again and she said, Dear God, Thank you for my praline. Amen. And then she paused again and said, You're welcome, Cindy Edwards. (laughs) And so everywhere I go and preach, I tell folks that I know the good Lord pretty well, but nothing like Cindy does. (laughs) I talk to God a lot, but He never answers me back audibly like He does Cindy. You know, things have changed some. Uh, when I was here, there was a school building on this uh, piece of property. And uh, we worked real hard to get that school building. And now this magnificent sanctuary, this lighthouse to the glory of God, is here. Congratulations to you on 200 years of great service in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what Doris and I are praying is that you'll have hundreds of more years in which you will shine the light of the gospel in this community. You probably are not aware of it because you're busy serving the Lord, but you're not only one of the most significant churches in the state of South Carolina... But you're one of the most significant churches in all of Southern Baptist life. And when I tell people the places I've been and tell them that I was at First Baptist Church in Columbia, they always say the Lord has used that church in a great way. I'm thankful for that and I'm thankful for... Wendell Lee friendship, how gracious of him to have us here today. Well, I've got to tell you just a little story. I do a lot of speaking these days for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And one of the coaches that I've met that I like so much is Art Baker, uh, who was Bobby Bowden's assistant head coach at Florida State, he was coach here for a while. And he told me one time that his first coaching experience was when he was about 25 years of age and was at Eau Claire High School. And he said, my first year as a coach, we went to the state championship game. And he said, I was so young and so immature and so shook up. He said, I didn't really know how you handle that kind of experience. And he said, we were five points behind and we were driving on the 20 yard line and he said if we scored the winning touchdown we were going to win the state championship and he said the quarterback came off the field and said coach what play do you want me to call and art baker said son i really don't know what play to tell you to call i'm just shook up just go call a play and he said the player went back out on the field called a double reverse They scored the touchdown and won the state championship. And he said he was so excited, and the quarterback came off the field, and he said, son, how did you know to call that play? And he said, coach, it was easy. When we lined up, I just looked on this side, and the end on this side was number seven, and the end on this side was number six, and six and seven is 15, So I just called play number 15. And Art Baker said, son, 6 and 7 is 13, not 15. And he said the player stood there for a minute looking at him and said, you know what coach, if I was as smart as you, we'd have lost that game. Well, I hope you have your Bible with you. And if you would turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, beginning at verse 16, you probably already know that almost always at the end of the letters that he writes, the Apostle Paul gives some practical instruction. In fact, you also need to know that there is a word that he uses quite often in his letters. It is the word, therefore. You find it in the book of Romans where Paul says, therefore, my brethren. And that's a transition word that Paul uses. The first part of his letters are always dedicated to describing for them right believing. And then, therefore, leads into his describing right behaving. We should always remember that right behaving cannot happen unless right believing is in our life. But there are these few words of practical instruction at the end of 1 Thessalonians. And the Apostle says to these people, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks to God, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And do nothing to quench the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is chock full of the promises of God. Promises that we know we can count on. Probably the one that we're most familiar with is from John 10, 10, where Jesus said, I have come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. Now we know that that is true. And we know that that is the reality for the Christians. But the great question we have to ask about that, if Jesus promised abundant life for everybody... Why are so few people living the abundant life? The great writer Elton Trueblood says, some people live the abundant life and some people live the redundant life. Just the same old stuff over and over again. Well, I think one of the reasons we miss abundant living is because we shift our focus in times like these from the power to the problem. There is no doubt that we're living in a time that is very problematic. These are troublesome times that don't just affect a few. These are troublesome times that affect everyone. I do not have one friend who hasn't said to me over the last few weeks, this is the toughest time I've ever been through in my life. Well, I thought about what to say to you today, and I thought I would give you some encouragement and motivation about living the next 200 years. But I thought probably the greatest contribution I can make to that congregation is to give them some encouraging words for discouraging times. Probably every one of us would rise to say this morning, that we've never needed a miracle quite like we need a miracle now. Well, let me give you an overall truth before we get to the Scripture. One of the things that you and I, as God's children, need to learn is that we need to live life inside out rather than outside in. Most people I know live life outside in. If they get up and it's cloudy, they're depressed. If things go wrong during the day, they get angry. But The Bible says that what we're supposed to do is live life inside out. The Spirit of Christ is so so going to fill us in a dynamic way that we interpret everything that's going on around us in the light of what is on the inside of us. Probably a more profound way to state it is to say God wants us to live providentially rather than circumstantially. He wants the providence of God to shape our life and not the circumstances around us. And let me tell you, if you get up in the morning and you're mad at your wife and your children, you're not going to have a good day. And if you leave the house and curse every policeman and grow angry with every red light, you're not going to have a good day. You've allowed the circumstances around you to shape who you are. And especially if somebody comes and cuts you off in traffic, the anger quotient can get quite high. And it affects us the rest of the day. I used to be that way. I've sort of calmed down in my life. I've begun to try to live life inside out rather than outside in it. So if somebody cuts me off in traffic and I have to slow down, I just say I probably wouldn't have heard that bird sing if I hadn't slowed down. I wouldn't have seen the smile on the face of that baby if I hadn't slowed down. And then I just go down the road and get up real close to that guy that cut me off in traffic, I roll down my window and say, Go to heaven! (laughs) It's much better than handling it the other way. (laughs) The Apostle Paul is writing to people who are discouraged. He's writing to people who are perplexed about life. The Thessalonian Christians were young. They didn't have the maturity to guide them along the way. They had some confusion about theology. They didn't understand it completely. They were being persecuted, and they couldn't understand why God would allow that to happen to His children. Probably we've had thoughts like that. We've not been willing to express them to those around us because we didn't want to look like people who had a lack of faith. But we've wondered about God's participation in these times in our life. And so Paul pins these marvelous words that are meant to teach us About living life inside out. The first thing that Paul says is rejoice evermore. If we put that in contemporary language, Paul is saying greet life with joy and expectation. I have a lot of Christian friends who now see life as the enemy. But life is a gift from God. And we should every day greet life with joy and expectation. If you want to alter your attitude about living, start right there. We've lost our sense of wonder. We've allowed our thanksgiving to erode. And so we see every day is just like the humdrum day that came before it. And we don't celebrate its presence in our life. Let me tell you, within the confines of my faith, what is the most profound and important thing I know. That is the reality that life is a gift. Life is not something we own or Merit or possess or buy, life is a gift from God. And the only way to respond to a gift is with thanksgiving. And God fashions every day for us to be blessed and for us to serve Him and lift up His name. One of my favorite theologians is somebody you might have seen on television. You might have read some of the things that he's written. His name is Gomer Pyle. The thing I like about Gomer Pyle is that he just rejoices in everything. Uh, And everything that happens around him, it's either shazam. Or golly. He celebrates every day of life. In fact, I've decided that in our churches when the pastor says, and all of God's people said, and the congregation says amen, that really the congregation ought to say shazam. Let me help you learn that. And all of God's people said, There you go. See, look at that. Look at the look on your face. Celebrating the day with joy and expectation. One of my favorite writers is Thomas Carlyle. And Thomas Carlyle was a prolific writer who wrote with such tremendous profundity. But he needed almost complete silence in which to write. And so Thomas Carlyle built a room on the end of his house... That was soundproof. And that's where he would do his writing. But even when he went in that room, he discovered that there was one outside sound that he could still hear. And that was the sound of his neighbor's rooster crowing. And so one day he went next door and complained to his neighbor that his rooster was disturbing him. And the neighbor said, but Dr. Carlisle... My rooster only crows once a day. And Thomas Carlyle said, yes, but you can't imagine the pain I go through waiting on your rooster to crow. (laughs) Well, isn't that the way life is sometimes? That we spend all of this time waiting on some bad thing to happen that never happens. And so live your life with exuberance. Live your life with expectation. Live your life with joy because all of us are shaped by the attitudes that we have. If you want to transform your life almost immediately, the way to do it is by greeting life with expectation and joy. The second thing that Paul says is pray without ceasing. The modern translation of that to me is Paul is saying, cultivate your friendship with God. Because see, that's what prayer is. Prayer is opening up our heart to God. And when we do that, we cultivate our friendship with God. Transformation comes when we are aware every step of the journey that God is the dearest friend we have in life through His Son, Jesus Christ. There's a little verse that I like entitled, Overheard in an Orchard. And it goes like this. Said the sparrow to the robin, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the robin to the sparrow, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. God is walking every step of the journey with us. For thousands of years, God has led His people From times of discouragement and defeat to times of great victory. And you and I, must we must trust God's timing as well as we trust the substance of His will. And I can guarantee for every one of you that God is going to lead you through this troubled time to a time of great victory. I have extraordinary aunts and uncles who have meant so much in my life. And the person of great faith was my Aunt Mary in Salisbury, North Carolina. My Uncle Roger got Alzheimer's. He was sick for years. And I didn't see how she was going to make it. And after his death, I said, Aunt Mary... Tell me how you stayed so strong during that very difficult time. And she said, Marshall, always remember this. When you have things right in the center of your life with God, there's nothing in life that can frighten you. And that really is true. We should cultivate our friendship with God. We should pray without ceasing. What great word from the Apostle Paul. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And then the last one I think is the biggie. The Apostle Paul says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying to all of us, No matter what is going on in your life, find a reason in the middle of that to be thankful. Now, for a while, there were those who say that the Apostle Paul said, give thanks for everything, that if you've got cancer, give thanks for that. If a friend is killed, give thanks for that. That isn't what Paul says. Paul says, in everything, give thanks. He is saying no matter how tough it is, at any time along the way for us, we can always find a reason to be thankful because God is blessing us. In our own life, there is no attitude that transforms us like the attitude of thanksgiving and gratitude. And I'm going to tell you something I believe. I believe that we are thankful because we're blessed. But I think we're also blessed because we're thankful. I think an attitude of thanksgiving in our life literally opens up the world to all that God is doing. You remember the Israelites in the In the wilderness, they began grumbling. God led them by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. He gave them water and manna and quail. And the Israelites were standing knee-deep in manna saying, God doesn't care about us anymore. It's because they didn't see. They didn't recognize the blessings. Thanksgiving opens our eyes to that. One quick thing and I'll wrap it up. Dr. Estep told me we had to be out by Tuesday. <laughs> one of my great friends is Butner Fanning, who was pastor of one of the great churches in San Antonio, Texas. And Butner took his children and his eight grandchildren to Hawaii for a vacation. And the last night they were there, the grandchildren decided to put on a play for the adults. They put a a sheet in the room on a wire so that they could have a, a stage and a curtain. And the play they were going to put on was You Are My Sunshine, Hawaiian style. And he said, they took coffee cans and made little drums with them. They took flowers and put them in their hair and they wouldn't stay there. And they made grass skirts that weren't holding together very well. And he said, all the adults were sitting out there getting ready for the play to start. And everybody was so happy about hearing, you are my sunshine, Hawaiian style. And he said, just before they pulled the curtain... He heard his oldest granddaughter, Megan, say, All right, everybody, remember, no matter what falls off, keep dancing. (laughs) Well, isn't that the way we're supposed to live life? No matter what falls off, keep dancing. No matter what goes wrong, no matter how tough it is, keep moving and keep giving thanks. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks for this is God's will for you. There's a little chorus that sings itself in my heart every day. Are there any rivers that seem to be uncrossable? Are there any mountains you cannot tunnel through? God specializes in... In things that seem impossible, He knows a thousand ways to make a way for you. Keep dancing. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this great day, this wonderful celebration of First Baptist Church in Columbia. Bless these marvelous people. And Father, if there's someone here this morning who needs to say yes to Jesus in their life, help them to come and do that. We ask that you would empower us and help us to focus on the power and not the problem. For Christ's sake, amen. Would you take your hymnals, please, or look at the screens? We're going to sing the hymn of invitation. The staff will be here at the front. We ask you to come. If in any part of your life you need to say yes to Jesus, would you stand and would you come?